Welcome. I'm Dr. Jesse Morrison. I wanted to thank you for tuning in. This is episode two of the Regenerative Medicine podcast from the Osteopathic Center. I'm recording here on the second floor of our uh, Miami clinic. And this is the, the lobby. If, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see how beautiful it is. Um, we wanted to create a podcast here that kind of exemplified exactly not only what it is we do here, but uh, how we combine a combination of traditional uh, orthopedic uh, approach as well as uh, add elements of integrative medicine and, and traditional uh, regenerative medicine and, and the new and up and coming options uh, as we evaluate patients depending on what they're coming in for and exactly uh, provide them a, a full menu of options as I like to call it to give them an idea of exactly uh, what their injury is uh, how to properly diagnose it and exactly how to treat it, uh, whether they want surgery or they don't want surgery. So uh, this specific podcast, we will particularly talk about the shoulder. Um, I will briefly introduce myself uh, to give you an idea of exactly what my background is and, 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 and how I was treating these before and now how I've uh, grown to treat uh, shoulder injuries now. So uh, traditionally, I did a sports medicine fellowship uh, at the University of South Florida, where I was working on a lot of uh, traditional patients as well as uh, professional and, and non-professional uh, athletes. Uh, we had all different options from traditional orthopedics um, as well as regenerative medicine options there. Uh, that's where I did a lot of my ultrasound training, which is fantastic for the shoulder. Um, you can really see a lot of the ligaments, tendons, uh, and musculature within the shoulder um, specifically with an ultrasound as long as you kind of know what you're doing. Um, the inside of the shoulder, you really need an MRI to kind of evaluate the severity of, of a labrum, the quality of the labrum, um, and then you need uh, x-rays uh, really helpful for evaluating uh, the bone, any um, uh, arthritis or any fractures. Uh, so we, we kind of uh, use all of these modalities and I've learned to, to use them as, as I graduated from fellowship and, and started in my attending life, so to speak, I um, ran an orthopedic clinic um, a, a, that was a combination between traditional orthopedics and walk-in, as well as a little bit of regenerative medicine. Um, and I, and I, I got the feeling for how all of these shoulder injuries were treated uh, traditionally if you were to go into an orthopedic clinic. Um, and, and since I have uh, develop more of a, a, a broader based approach that I incorporate traditional uh, sports medicine and, and traditional approach as well as adding in regenerative medicine and some integrative uh, medicine approaches as well. Um, so we will try to do this for each of the main body parts. Um, I'm going to start with the shoulder today. We'll, we'll, we'll cover uh, other body parts like the knee and, and maybe uh, the hip or the ankle. Uh, over the next couple of weeks and eventually we may even go into individual injuries and how to treat them and how to which approaches to take seem to be the most effective. Uh, so for shoulder injuries um, you have a bunch of different options. You have traditional arthritis which can be either glenohumeral which is the main ball and socket joint or you can have um, acromioclavicular AC which is basically at the tip of your shoulder and that's uh, for women, that's kind of where the bra strap sits. Uh, both of these are not super common, uh, but they can happen and they do happen. 
Uh, glenohumeral arthritis is much more common in manual laborers, uh, as sports players that have a tendency to throw the ball with that hand. Um, and uh, surgeons are known to have this, especially uh, veteran ones that have been doing it for a long period of time, or anybody that suffered an injury. Uh, as far as uh, acromioclavicular, it's a combination between um, uh, pain uh, with reaching out in front and over across the shoulder, almost like you're trying to grab a seatbelt. Um, that's usually AC joint pain. Um, and it, this is usually throbbing, aching pain. And there's a couple different ways to treat it. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, rotator cuff uh, issues are by far the most common uh, out of any shoulder injury. And this is usually uh, a combination of four different um, ligaments and, 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 and really tendons as they insert in front uh, and in back of the shoulder. And, and this usually uh, is what most people describe as a throbbing, aching pain. Uh, they, it may go down the side of their arm. That's a very common description. Uh, and Uh, and the, with, with that being said, uh, uh, there, usually we can treat this with a combination of therapy and other options, whereas uh, sometimes it's a little too far gone and sometimes surgery is an option, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, the other major uh, injury in the shoulder is, is a labral tear. Uh, and labral tears traditionally... Uh, Labral tears traditionally, they have a tendency to really bother people. They are more um, uh, looseness, uh, kind of pain with certain ranges of motion, feeling like the shoulder is not staying in the socket. Uh, usually can happen after a fall or lifting something heavier than expected or lifting something up uh, and maybe it pulled it off the socket. Um, I've done other videos describing specifically labral injuries and I will link them in the description below. Uh, but uh, the, the, the final uh, one additional location of injury is to the biceps and the biceps tendon. And that is actually in the front of the shoulder. Uh, this is the, usually the long head of the biceps. And traditionally, people have throbbing, aching pain right in the front of the shoulder. And they think it's the shoulder, but in actuality, it's the bicep tendon that inserts into the top of the shoulder. Um, and oftentimes there will be multiple injuries and that, that's where it gets a little tricky. Which one can be treated with traditional medicine? Which one needs surgery? Which one uh, can be benefited with maybe a little stem cell or, or PRP or, or depending on how aggressive you want to be. So um, the, the, there are three different approaches that you can take to any injury uh, or any class of injuries uh, traditionally in orthopedics. Um, uh, one is the traditional orthopedic approach that you can get uh, at any orthopedic clinic. Uh, and and if, you, if you're looking for that type of approach, uh, then most uh, orthopedic uh, doctors are sufficient and very good at what they do. Uh, sometimes they will do a cortisone injection. Sometimes they will opt for physical therapy. Sometimes surgery is the right answer. Um, then you have more of an integrative approach that can uh, to take something like ozone, which is an oxygenated, hyperoxygenated gas, very common in South America and commonly used in Europe, that can be used uh, to inject uh, locally. That can help some of the decrease inflammation, help with uh, kind of decrease some of the uh, poor oxygenation of the tissues, um, 
that's more of an integrative medicine approach. And then regenerative medicine is, is, is either taking prolol therapy, which is essentially sugar water or dextrose. Uh, you can also take PRP, which is uh, blood taken from your arm, the, the plasma uh, and the platelet rich layer. Or you can take uh, stem cells, whether they're coming out of your bone marrow in your hip or your, or your fat, or you can even take uh, amniotic tissue allografting and you actually uh, inject any of these products in and around the tendon to help regrow the tissue and fix the tissue. Um, depending on which product you choose will depend on how effective it is and how many times you need to do it. Um, so these are the kind of general uh, range of options uh, for orthopedics, predominantly non-surgical orthopedics. Um, but uh, some people would rather have a traditional approach where they know they're getting cortisone and they're okay with it, um, and, and, and they put that in, whether it's for bursitis, whether it's for rotator cuff injury, um, so on and so forth. The issue with that, uh, there is some data to support that it may be damaging the local tissues, or if you're using uh, an anesthetic like lidocaine, there can be some concerns with damaging some of the, the cells because of the, the toxicity of that. Um, and there also is the issue that it's essentially not fixing the tissue, but instead just decreasing the inflammation uh, and, and essentially uh, preventing the injury uh, from coming back for a couple months or a couple weeks, and then the injury comes back again. Um, physical therapy is a very common uh, option uh, which is very effective, uh, traditionally helping to realign and, and, and remold the way that someone does uh, a specific movement to try to get it back to how it should be. Um, but if there's an injury, uh, you may be kind of cheating and doing it a different way, which then throws off the natural body mechanics. Um, both traditional and regenerative medicine have a tendency to use physical therapy often because of how beneficial it is. And I've had really good luck with patients who do physical therapy, um, specifically for rotator cuff injuries, uh, because uh, a rotator cuff injury is very debilitating. Even opening a door is, is challenging. Trying to sleep, it can be miserable. Um, picking up anything out in front or overhead uh, is a nightmare. And, and it literally can, can make someone uh, who should normally have a healthy, uh, without concern arm, pretty much be uh, limited and be very ineffective as a result. Um, the regenerative medicine options uh, focus more on trying to stimulate the tissue to heal itself or, or to provide uh, certain growth factors and products to uh, provide almost a scaffolding like you're fixing a building. Uh, and try to fix or heal some of those tissues so that they uh, can, can perform the functions that you're asking of them. Um, a lot of people uh, would prefer to take a, a, a non-delaying and aggressive approach where they, but, but at the same time, they don't want to put any chemicals in their body and they'd prefer more of a natural approach. Um, and and that's, those, those people have a tendency to gravitate towards regenerative medicine because it is essentially using your body and your cells and just kind of relocating them. Um, uh, one of the other points that I wanted to highlight is that um, the, there are two essentially types of injuries or, or, or stages of injuries. You have an acute injury that just happened ideally within the past six weeks and then you have more of a chronic injury, whether it's six weeks, you know, seven, eight weeks old, or six years old. And then you kind of have that gray area where you have 
and a chronic injury that also happens to have an acute flare. So essentially you call it acute on chronic injury where there's some chronic damage and maybe you re-injured it. So now you have new inflammation as a result of that. Um, the the uh, acute injuries usually are more described as a tendonitis if it's, if it's involving a tendon. So the way that the body is built, you have a muscle, which essentially turns into a tendon, which attaches to a bone. The bone heals very well if it's injured. The muscle heals very well because they both have very good blood supplies. Unfortunately, the connecting piece, the tendon, uh, does not heal very well and has a tendency to scar down or kind of uh, fray uh, and when it's getting beat up, almost like a rope. Um, the issue, uh, same uh, with, with tendons, also applies to ligaments because they have a similar uh, purpose, they have a similar uh, blood flow pattern, and a majority of them, unfortunately, do not heal. That's why we have a tendency to uh, tear an, an ACL in the knee, um, because it just simply does not uh, heal well and it cannot withstand the, um, the, the pressure of, of a certain movement. Um, uh, tendinopathy is more of a chronic issue where uh, the injury, the tendon is continuing to get beat up and instead of healing because it has poor healing properties, uh, the, the tissues which would normally be some nice beautiful fine woven uh, fibers are now all crisscrossed and, and, and mangled and it just doesn't have the same recognizable pattern that you'd think, uh, that you'd expect to see when it was brand new. Um, a lot of the times this leads to throbbing, aching pain that can be very uncomfortable. Um, uh, that also usually translates to a decrease in the range of motion. Um, and unfortunately, many, if not all of us, will have multiple forms of tendinopathy uh, because of the wear and tear that we've used in, in, in our body parts over the years, whether it is our rotator cuff in our shoulder, whether it is our Achilles tendon in our, in our heel slash ankle. Um, all of these are tendons that we are using multiple you know, potentially hundreds of times per day. Uh, and unfortunately, they just aren't able to heal uh, to the same strength that they were when we were 10, 15, 20 years old. Um, the acute injuries usually lead to uh, uh, acute tearing. And if that's not properly addressed, that's going to turn to chronic uh, scar tissue. That's going to turn to more chronic tendinopathy, uh, which will then uh, lead to future injuries because uh, that scar tissue and that tendinopathy doesn't have the same strength or flexibility that the, the original uh, tendon did. Uh, as far as uh, regenerative medicine, uh, it's very effective in different parts of the shoulder. Um, take for instance uh, uh, arthritis, whether it's glenohumeral or acromioclavicular, it can be very effective. Uh, there's actually something called A2M or alpha-2 macroglobulin that is a uh, that can be very effective for arthritis in particular. Um, uh, PRP has mixed results with with uh, you know with this issue uh, with arthritis uh, because it just doesn't seem to heal as well as some of the other options. It will help. It's just not ideal. Um, when we're talking about rotator cuff injuries, unfortunately, they are notorious. Uh, even a, a healthy 22-year-old uh, who, who tears uh, one of their rotator cuff tendons, um, depending on the severity of the tear, they will significantly lead to some issues 
uh, in the future. Um, and if they don't properly address it, uh, they're going to have not only scar tissue, but probably pain and weakness and decreased strength in that tendon. So there are, main, there are four main rotator cuff tendons. You have the infraspinatus, the supraspinatus, the subscapularis, and the teres minor. Um, the supraspinatus and the subscapularis are the two main tendons that are on the front of the shoulder and the top of the shoulder. Uh, whereas the infraspinatus and the teres minor, they're more so on the back of the shoulder. Uh, the ones on the front or top of the shoulder are the, are the what I call the big boys. They pretty much do the majority of the heavy lifting. Anything out in front or across your body, uh, use one or both of those tendons. Whereas infraspinatus is more of a helper, a very large muscle, but doesn't really seem to help. Uh, it doesn't really seem to help with a lot of our motions. And then the teres minor is very similar. It's, it's a larger muscle, but it doesn't serve as many roles. Uh, you can injure any and all of these. Uh, unfortunately, whether it's from chronic wear or tear, whether it's from a fall, uh, whether it is from um, and, uh, something that it was a little bit beat up and then maybe you fell or you uh, picked up something that you thought was uh, lighter than it was, or maybe you tried to catch something that was falling and, and it ended up tearing a little bit more. Um, these are very frustrating injuries within the rotator cuff because uh, essentially, whenever you ex ex stretch your elbow out and reach out in front of you, you have to use the rotator cuff. That's all we have. When we have our hands close to our body, we can use back, we can use core. But once those hand and elbow is extended, you essentially have to use the rotator cuff muscles. So if one or two or three of them are really injured, you're going to be feeling it and you're going to try to do what you can to, to, to try to cheat to prevent uh, from, from, from having pain and, and, and potentially injuring it more. The uh, rotator cuff has a tendency to respond uh, more so to regenerative medicine and, uh, along with physical therapy. Uh, if you want a traditional approach, here's what we would traditionally offer you. A cortisone injection, physical therapy, and then if neither or either of those two work and they don't want to go the regenerative medicine route, you would offer either a, a rotator cuff repair or uh, a, a shoulder replacement depending on the severity of the damage. Um, if uh, the, uh, the issue with rotator cuff repair is that you're going to be in a sling for six weeks and then the following six weeks you will gradually ramp up to about five pounds of weight so essentially you're almost immobilized for over three months or close to three months at some limited capacity and then you gradually have to work your way back up. Why, do, why is this the way it is? Because essentially you are tying a tendon with essentially a big piece of rope and then tacking it in back into the bone using a big deep screw. Well, if, that, if you start lifting heavy, uh, any type of heavy weight, before that screw is implanted and secure, you're going to rip that bone out of the. Uh, you're going to rip that screw out of that bone, and you're going to start from scratch. So that's why rotator cuff repairs take so long to heal. Um, they work. It's just a long journey, and unfortunately, as the older we get, the the, the more partly we heal, and the longer it takes to heal. Um, a traditional. Uh, rotator cuff repair can take anywhere from six months to, to, to nine months, depending on the severity of the damage 
and the age level and what you're trying to get back to. Are you just trying to reach out overhead to grab something out of the cabinet or are you a professional athlete that is actually trying to catch a ball or throw a, throw a ball at an elevated velocity? So just a, a lot of it depends on your goals and, and what you're trying to personally do. Um, as far as uh, regenerative medicine, when it comes to rotator cuff, uh, usually, uh, depending on the severity, you can start with prolotherapy. It's usually not going to be strong enough or require a ton of treatments, uh, five to ten uh, different rounds of injections. If you want to bounce up to the next level, uh, talking about PRP, can be very effective, um, but you may need a couple uh, of rounds of PRP depending on the severity of the damage and also depending on the quality of the PRP you're using. Stem cell will be much better, which is about at least three times more potent than PRP, if not more. Um, you may only need one round of PRP uh, additional, in, in addition to uh, bone marrow. Some people will do bone marrow and then they'll follow it up with PRP a month or six weeks later. Everyone has their own little protocol. Um, the most effective is probably going to be amniotic uh, tissue allografting, which is the tissues taken from a placenta after a baby was delivered uh, and, and those tissues are flash frozen. You can use those tissues almost as a graft agent to put them directly into the tissue that's damaged. Uh, these work very well, very quickly. Uh, they don't create as much pain after the injection and they have a tendency to work very quickly and actually uh, create uh, a beautiful new strong tissue. They may not ever be perfect or as strong as they were when you were 20, but they will be much better than before the injection. Physical therapy is definitely needed afterwards, uh, regardless of what option you choose. And sometimes it's enough by itself. Um, let's talk a little bit about labral tears before we close this up. So the labrum is essentially the cartilage that holds the, the, the ball within the socket. So if you were to look at your shoulder and, and, and take out uh, uh, the shoulder and kind of look at it from the side uh, as if someone was standing next to you and they just turned over and looked straight at your shoulder, you would see uh, a, a labrum uh, almost looked like a clock. Now, depending on the severity of the tear, you can have, say, a labral tear that's only between 12 and 1 o'clock, which would be a small tear, or you can have one that's between 12 and 6 o'clock, which would be a, a very large tear. And they usually describe the tear depending on how large it is and where it's located. Is it in the front? Is it in the back? Is it on the top? Is it on the bottom? Um, the, the larger the tear, the more unstable that shoulder is going to be and the more pain they're going to be in and feel like that shoulder is loose. Uh, anybody who's dislocated their shoulder by definition pretty much has to have some labral tearing. Um, the, you may have heard of the term slap tear, S-L-A-P, and that uh, basically describes the location of the tear uh, more so on the top part than on the bottom. Uh, in terms of uh, treatment options. We're usually thinking of a traditional approach. You can do physical therapy. It's usually not going to be strong enough um, and you probably will need surgery. A labor repair is very challenging. Um, there's uh, uh, sutures that are in place to, to kind of help the tissue, uh, but unfortunately uh, some people are prone to re-tearing it because of the poor blood supply after the fact. Um, that usually takes a good 
three to six months, sometimes longer, depending on the severity of the tear and the additional damage involved. Um, regenerative medicine is a very effective option for, uh, for labral tears. The problem is um, it, it requires some of the stronger uh, regenerative medicine options. The prolotherapies and the PRPs just don't seem to have enough tissues. They don't seem to have enough uh, uh, growth factors and stem cells in there to really make a difference. Uh, you may have to go three, four, five times with PRP to every really see a difference in a large label tear. Whereas if you do a bone marrow or an amniotic tissue allograph, you're probably going to get significantly more um, effectiveness in, in, in only one or two injections. Uh, remember, you're, you're not going in there and surgically correcting the tissues, um, but you are planting the best tissues that you can get, whether it's from yourself or, or from someone else, into the area and telling the body, hey, fix this and go, you know, go to work. Um, as far as uh, the, the last option, which is uh, biceps, uh, so you have a couple different injuries. Uh, when we think of biceps, most people think of the middle of the bicep or towards the elbow, but in actuality, the bicep goes all the way uh, from, the, uh, from the middle of the arm all the way into the shoulder. There are two bicep tendons, one that is very thick and strong that inserts into the chest wall, and we usually don't ever worry about that one. Whereas uh, the long head of the bicep is the one that inserts into the top of the labrum in the shoulder, and this is usually the one that gives us the biggest trouble. This is a very uncomfortable, uh, throbbing, aching pain. Um, the, the tendon actually sits in a groove, um, and, and sometimes when that groove gets filled up with fluid, uh, it, the tendon can actually pop in and out of the groove, which can be very, very painful. Uh, acutely, you can inject um, uh, steroid into and around uh, underneath the the tendon. You don't want to inject it into the tendon because you can rupture it. Uh, that will help temporarily, but you're really not fixing anything. You're just essentially calming down the inflammation. Um, surgically, you have a couple different options. You can attempt to repair the actual shoulder uh, and, and where the bicep inserts. Unfortunately, those results have not been as good as if you were to just cut the bicep tendon and tack it onto the bone in what we call a tenodesis. Um, that is, is especially effective because uh, the, the, the tendon is no longer pulling at the labrum and causing pain. It's no longer causing inflammation. Uh, and it only accounts for about 15% of our strength of our bicep. So you don't really lose much strength, but you also, if you were to tear that bicep tendon, you don't get that classic Popeye deformity where you have this uh, bulging uh, of the bicep where the actual tendon, uh, instead of being attached, has fallen and torn down and is now kind of peaked in the middle of your arm. As far as um, regenerative medicine options, you can put a bunch of different products in there depending on the severity of the tear. Usually you can get these to calm down uh, along with a little or a lot of physical therapy depending on the severity of the injury. So as you can tell, if you're looking for regenerative medicine options, you want to find a specialist that knows what they're talking about, that has done the training, that has done the procedures, that uses uh, ultrasound guidance to see things in real time and, and can move the probe around and, and actually say, all right, when I'm moving the probe this way, what does the tendon do? When I move the probe this way, what does that tendon do? Um, uh, MRIs are fantastic, but unfortunately, they are static. 
meaning if you move during an MRI, there's a big blurry image, and you can't use that when you're in the middle of an injection. So you have to use something that's dynamic, whether it's a CAT scan or uh, an ultrasound. And when you do your, your injections, these are the things that make the injection much more accurate and, and the results much better. Um, so this will conclude our second episode, uh, predominantly describing the, the different treatment options of the shoulder. If you like the video, hit the thumbs up and hit the subscribe, uh, whether you're listening on podcast or watching on YouTube, and check out some of the other videos and podcast episodes. Thank you very much for tuning in. Take care.